Yes, welcome back to another episode of Brand Width, the podcast where myself, Sam McEwen, and Dean Milson meet each month to discuss a topic relating to the world of branding and marketing. How are you today, Dean? I'm none too shabby. Thanks, Sammy. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. Good to hear. So um, as is the, is the uh, way that we, we typically run these things, um, we, we each come or we take it in turns to come to, with a topic. And today I'm circling back to a, to a topic we discussed a few episodes ago relating to the paper that was released by Google and the behavioral architects called Decoding Decisions, the Messy Middle of Purchase Behavior. So, um, yeah, we sort of, we, we spent quite a bit of time on that <laughs> in the last episode, uh, but did promise that, that we'd sort of come back and revisit it and, and, and a few areas there. So I thought that we should fulfill that. Okay. And, um, and, and sort of cover off, I, I guess, you know, in, um, in that episode, episode 15 it was, we sort of spent uh, a lot of time talking about the impacts on consumer behavior and the models that we use to to understand consumer purchasing decisions and um, but there was this there was a sort of other side of that too that, that spent a lot of time talking about behavioral biases which is something that we've now discussed on this this show a few times um, but there was some you know some really interesting tests and things that they did uh, as part of that that we didn't really get to spend a lot of time on and the other thing that we didn't really get to do was talk about you know what are the actions that, that we could take out of this which is I think important you know I always I always like to to steer these back to okay great there's you know, some good research that's been done but what can we as marketers and particularly what can you know what can your average small business or, or sort of smaller marketing teams you know do with with this information yeah because the big report's about 100 pages i think from um yeah having a yeah it's, that it's a, it's it is a long one so um yeah look so i guess if if you haven't listened to that i, I would encourage you to head back to episode 15 and give that a good listen we, we go into into some detail um but i guess as as a part of a, a refresher i guess uh, of of what this was all about, there were sort of two main parts of of the research. The first part involved observation of several hundred hours of consumer shopping, you know, sort of real real consumers shopping online, um, and that led to that this big idea that that was um, you know that as consumers enter this active evaluation part of the of the buyer journey. That we tend to oscillate backwards and forwards um, in this what they call this exploration and evaluation loop, um, and when we're in this exploring mode, we add brands, products, and category information to these mental portfolios or, or consideration sets, and then when we're evaluating, we narrow those options down. So that was the sort of big behavioral science part of it, um, and then there's the second part of the study, which which is the part that I'm going to focus on today which involved a simulated online shopping environment to try to determine what were the factors that contributed to consumers choosing one particular brand over another. Um, so, yeah, so I think um, what that, what, yeah, that's, that's where we'll, we'll go today. And, and I'll try to cover off a, a few of these and then, and then uh, leave enough time to get to the actions in the end. Yeah, cool. I'm sure as, as Google does, so there's lots of um, cool uh, 
you know, interesting tests they've done. Yeah, well, that's what I thought was interesting. I mean, and this is—I mean, you know—if if you recall in the last episode, you know, I said I didn't want to—I you know, wasn't going to spend a lot of time on this because I thought that the the you know impact to our behavioural models and, and the way that we think about this was perhaps the most important part of this, and that the the findings of these other tests, you know, really just confirmed that they work and that we know that, you know, that what we know already about these, these behavioural biases. Mm-hmm. But I thought that there were a couple of very interesting studies and, and, and certainly one of the, the big takeaways out of, out of, you know, the different tests that they performed in this was that, that, that these biases stack up, you know, to that they really do make an impact. Um, By stack and, up, do you mean um, uh Proven right or stack up? Do you mean they proven, um, they stack on top of each other? Proven right, proven but in, right. interestingly, um, also that they stack up on top of each other and they're even more they effective. They each other. Yeah. So, but yes, uh, yeah, that, 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 they, they, they work and, and they're real and, um, you know, that they work outside of, of perhaps the theoretical models that, that they're sometimes discussing. So... Um, yeah, so look, but basically, again, as, as, as a sort of refresher here, the first part of the study, that they just observed people shopping and they found that there were a number of these biases that were impacting the decisions that they made. And so in the second part, the simulation, they narrowed this down to sort of six of these, these core biases that they, they detected. They were category heuristics, authority bias, social proof, the power of now, scarcity bias, and the power of free. So, look, I think most of these are fairly well known. Yep. I won't jump into into definitions. We did discuss those in the in the previous uh, podcast as well. Uh, so, what they did is is they they formed these this simulation. It was a simulated shopping environment. They they um, basically found. 31,000 so uh, in market shoppers so a thousand in market shoppers across 31 different categories okay and they interviewed them about what they were in the market for they asked them to list their preferred brand and, and uh, a number of other brands in, in order of preference and then they set about creating this simulated shopping environment um, where they could tweak these different biases in different ways and see how effective they were in pulling that that shopper away from their stated preferred brand yep. to one of the other brands. So again, we did discuss a, a little bit of, of this in the last episode, but we'll go a, a little bit deeper now. So the first test that they did, I thought was actually quite interesting. They were only they only did it to to form a baseline, I guess, to to test the the biases against. But what they found is is the first test that they literally just um, took the stated first brand, yeah, and then they they positioned that against the second choice brand, with all the all the other influences remaining completely neutral. So all the biases um, that you know completely neutral, and they found that across the board. Anywhere between eighteen to forty-four percent of of shoppers in across all the categories would switch just by introducing that second band, brand. If that, if you're following there, yeah. So they there was so is it? But is it a choice of one brand on a page and two brand on a page? Is that that, that was basically it. two brands on a pr- okay, page, so right? So yep. so before the test. They oh, stated their, 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 their okay. preferred brand. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And then the test starts yeah. and they show that preferred brand 
and with their second choice brand. Okay, understood. Yeah, with all of the the sort of mechanisms that could that could influence or, or draw out these behavioural biases, completely neutral among amongst both brands. So they're basically identical. Yeah, it was a binary choice. wasn't um, wasn't they, they weren't trying to influence people in any other way. Yeah, wow. No, that was it. So you know, I, I think th- I think there was some, the unexpected finding in, in all of that was that. That's typically it was around about 30% of consumers would switch to the second brand just on being presented with it. And, and did, you, you might be getting to ask them why. I mean, Byron Sharp would love that because. Um, they, yeah, it's, they, uh, they, they, they didn't. No loyalty. <laughs> well, I don't, well, I don't know that they didn't. They didn't, uh, in the report, they didn't talk, they didn't mention that they, that they asked them. I would love to know that. But it's certainly, you know, that was, that was, I think that's shocking. Maybe it's not, but. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, you've, you've literally asked someone their preferred brand and then just by giving them a choice, <laughs> 30% of people will switch. But, I mean, it's in, in one way it's not that surprising if we think about, you know, all of the different <laughs> studies that have shown that you just can't trust people to tell you yeah. um, how they will behave. Um, yeah. I, um, I'm going to stuff this up, but I've uh, been reading a fair bit about evolutionary psychology and there's a – there's a train of thought in that is that, you know, that, that w- there's all these things going on um, in terms of, you know, our, our evolution and, you know, our genes really controlling the decisions that we make. Yeah. Um, but, but part of that is then to we have to fool ourselves uh, yep. into, um, you know, we have to give ourselves reason. I think Ian Pritchard calls it the that part of the brain. They call it the, P, the PR department. Um, where they, uh, you know, we, we, we make ourselves think that these are the reasons yeah. we do things. And um, have, you, have you heard about the split uh, split brain test? No. Oh, this is a fascinating study. I might get this one wrong as well. They, they um, so there's a, there's, there's a certain type of seizure that can be cured by basically severing, I believe it is, the, the, um, one of the connections between the left and right side of the brain. Um, and and what what that means is these particular people have had that procedure done. Is you can um, show them things in a certain way that will only hit one side of their brain that will cause them to then act right. So if you give them an instruction, basically you could write down an instruction to do something, they'd go off and do it. But then their other side of the brain doesn't know why they did it, and then you can interview them and ask them why. And so they did all these tests. <sighs> Right, so they'd give them the instruction. They'd say, go over to the vending machine and buy a Coke. And then they'd come back and they'd say, why did you buy that Coke? And they'd say, oh, well, I was really thirsty. I've been really, you know, really active, blah, 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 blah. They'd make all these things. And, and the, big, the big finding out of, out of all that was that we actually, it was this idea of that we don't, we, we justify our actions after the fact. Yeah. Um, and, this is, and this is sort of true for everything. We, we don't know why we do we don't know why we do anything. What we do is we, um, we we create very plausible, and sometimes they might be accurate, but they're not accurate because that was actually what motivated us to do it. Yeah. They're accurate because, well, there's a there's a percentage chance that, that this plausible justification for doing something is correct. So um, don't trust humans and what they yeah. say. That's, uh- and, and we can't even trust ourselves. We don't even know why we're, why we're doing these things. So... Um, yeah, so really interesting, and I'm sure that's a lot of that's at play here, you know. And, and see, you know, even you know, you've, you and, and you know, we've literally said, "Oh, this is our preferred brand," and you just give us another choice, and we can do it. So, and I think there's some real, 
you know, actions that we can do there. I mean, that just shows the power of being present, right? Like forget, you know, whether you've got your positioning statement perfect or your, or your advertising creative is, you know, is, you know, absolute 100% effective, whatever that might mean, um, you know, simply just by being there and being part of the, you know, being in the fight gives you a, you know, a pretty good chance that someone's yeah, going to select your brand. And I guess... Um, the other question is maybe why is it the preferred brand? It just might be the first one that comes to mind. So actually, right, Peter, the, the, the yeah, once brand. once they see yeah. that second one, actually they change. Yes, and that's and that's and that's true too, isn't it? That's how they would have done this test. Is they've asked you, to, they've given you the category and asked you to list it off the top of your head. Yeah. Now they've moved into an environment where you see both the logos. You know, and and then you know, even though everything else is neutral, there's some brand impact there of what we know about those two brands. Yeah, and just on that, I, that that reminds me of um, I think that's a good description of a heuristic because your mind is answering a different question. So mm. you're asking what's your preferred brand, but the easier question is your brain to go, what's the first brand that comes to mind, and it yeah. substitutes that that. The, the, it's a completely different question. What's your preferred yeah. brand? But your mind goes, oh, I don't know what my preferred is. That's a big question. I've got to, you know, what am I going to weigh up here, there? Whereas why don't I just substitute that with what's the first brand that comes to mind? And then there we have it. Yeah. So it's a really good illustration of, um, of, of heuristics, that, that example. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, and that was supposed to be just the baseline sort of, yeah. um, you know, question. And I think quite insightful. And you can see where the mind takes you from a marketing point of view that, that you can do with just that information. Yeah, and the interesting thing was that it was across all categories. So the the smallest percentage switch was in the smartphone category, um, but even then 18% of people switched from their stated preferred brand to the second choice brand once they were presented with the two. Um, and then the, the highest switch was 44% and that was in bathroom suites. So I assume that means like... Um, yeah, like actual bathroom fit-out type sinks and tapware and, and those. You say bathroom things. suites. I'm just seeing your lollies you have in your have in your bathroom. Different. <laughs> no, no, no. S S U I T E bathroom suite. Um, I just thought of a but, new product, bathroom suites. It could be yeah. could be something in that. So that was 44%, but honestly, most categories sat very nicely in the sort of high 20s mm. to high 30s, really. So very consistent across across the board. Um, although there are, I think, some trends that start to emerge as they, as they test them all, which we'll sort of get to. So that was the first one. Test number two, they, to- they, they tested category heuristics. So, again, we've spoken about this a few times now uh, as it comes up, but, but these, are, these are those, you know, product uh, differentiators, those, those, those key um, category uh, features, I guess, of, uh, that, that help in decision-making like, you know, the size of the TV, the pixels in the camera and so mm-hmm. forth. And so here they um, they tested these by, um, again, they, they were different to the category. But, for example, um, in the, the category of mortgages, they basically they presented the two brands again. But this time on the second choice brand, they added in the, into the text, into the copy on their 28-month fixed rate and 5% deposit. So they've obviously determined that in mortgage, 
you know, this sort of the, the, the fixed rate and the length of time in that fixed rate is an important category heuristic and the, the amount, the percentage of deposit that you, that's required is, is, is also really important. So they introduced that uh, into the copy for the second brand. And in that particular example, mortgage category, it increased the, the percentage of people who switched from 33% when they were just presented with the, with the brand to 49% when it was combined with these, uh, these category heuristics. Um, and again, they weren't as, as clear on all the results across all categories on that one, but um, you know that they mentioned in the report that, that was pretty standard sort of level um, you know, increase in the in the switching rate just by introducing those category heuristics. So, so the preferred brand didn't have any other information, no. just the brand, okay. Yeah, and that's something I think that's important through all this, and this is why I think you've got to take this with a certain grain. So I think there's, there's some very real learnings in this, but it's also very unlikely um, that you know, that you're going to have a leading brand. It must be a leading brand if, if, it's, if it's coming up as the preferred choice, you would, you would assume, that's not going to have at least something that's comparable. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what that says to me is an experience with this, this recently. There, there might be certain kind of key messages or things which to you as a brand or as a business, you kind of, you take them as given. You kind yeah. of, you know, we don't need to say that everyone's saying that, but the fact that if you don't say that, then you know, it signals that, you know, you know, is something missing or can I, can I trust them or, you know, there's certain things, you know, in any category you kind of have to reinforce yep. perhaps. Um, I, I agree. And this when I was thinking about this one, I thought there's probably two ways to focus on it. There's, there's the defensive side and there's the offensive side, depending on whether you're the market leader or you're a challenger brand, I think. Yeah. Um, and I had a, an experience after, this is after I read this report, um, recently, so there's there's they're advertising on TV at the moment, um, a TV <laughs> advertising on TV, a TV by Hisense, who's not a brand I'm really familiar with. I've, I'm aware of them through some of their sporting. Um, if they had not have sponsored the arena, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know who they are. Yeah, I, I didn't know what they did until I saw this ad. To be honest, <laughs> um, and um, but they've they've got a hundred hundred inch TV, which is the biggest TV you can buy in the Australian market at, at the moment. Wow. And I not that long ago bought a Samsung TV. It was an eighty two inch. TV, which and, and I purposely went set out to buy the biggest TV I could find. <laughs> Decided bigger is better, and I love the Samsung brand. I've been very happy. We um, yeah, this probably says a lot about me. We've got three TVs in our house, and they're all Samsung. It does, Sam. <laughs> but um, yeah, they. Uh, uh, but but so anyway, I'm brand loyal. Is the point of all, all of that? Um, however. You know, and I'm also aware of the what the biggest size TV was, which was 82 inch at the time. Now it's 100 inch, and Hisense have come out with that. Obviously, size of a TV is an important category heuristic, and so for a brand like Hisense, which I would never consider, it wouldn't come up in my consideration set. I'd have a lot of risk aversion in buying it. It'd have to be significantly cheaper, or have some kind of you know, other pretty significant benefit for me to to consider it amongst Samsung because I'm, you know, I just I'm, I'm, I'm big. I like their design. I like their remote controls. I like a lot about them. Um, so, but so you there you go. Yourself, so you sorry. You, so you tell yourself, but really deep. So yeah. So I tell myself exactly. I justify to myself. But well, this is exactly. Hisense come along, and now they've got the large TV, and instantly the, I, they have now inserted themselves into. 
a brand of TV that I would consider. They were never part of my consideration set before. They are now simply because they've taken a leadership position in an important category heuristic, which is the size of the TV. They are clearly the leading TV in the market at the moment if if you're measuring the the that on that's the size, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and, I, and I just thought that it was interesting, like thinking about this research from that point of view, is like if you're a challenger brand, then it's difficult to get into that consideration set for, you know, for more established brands or, or, or market leaders. But in finding, you know, a heuristic like this, a category heuristic that you could maybe be the leader on, that that can give you some validation or that can that can build to you. To you in some way. So anyway, that was or, or to get uh, to to get you notice. Um, I mean, I think um, the the point of new brands, um, new brands, challenger brands, just yeah, the same thing in some ways. Um, need to do need to take risks in mm-hmm. order to um, to gain market share, in order to get noticed, in order to you know um, you know move people out of the inertia of of you know the brands they 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 use all That's the time right. so whereas it's kind of the opposite for a bigger brand um kind of meant to keep the status quo it's a safe option we don't yeah. want you doing once you get to that point you you know you start doing out there things it can start to have the opposite effects but yeah i can um you know take a tv and go right we're even though Hisense isn't a, I mean, they're a challenger brand but they're not new by any sense but no like, right we're going to be the biggest and that's what yeah. we're going to do and um and and that'll be a way to get get it get attention um it's um that's yeah it. and it doesn't matter the sales of that particular model i mean what they've done i mean if we think about the word heuristics right these are these are supposed to be mental shortcuts and so the, what they've done by being the largest TV in the market has, has instantly positioned them, in my mind at least, as, as um, you know, it's a tick for technology, right? So do I now have trust that they know what they're doing, that they, can, that they, that they, they, they make a technologically sound product? I do. And so maybe they'll become, you know, if, I'm, if I was in the market for a smaller TV, you know, I've got... Uh, you know, some of those barriers that are put up have just been broken down a little bit because because I've taken a shortcut in saying, are they likely to make a good TV? You know, is this TV likely to be sound and work properly and, and all these things? Well, yes, because I know I have confidence in them as a technolo- technology leader. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, that's... Yeah, that's- interesting. So I thought that was, that was sort of where my went. So I mentioned that was the sort of the offensive play. The defensive play, obviously, is for a Samsung you know, well, they'd better bring out their 100-inch TV pretty soon to make sure that they sort of close that one down. Yeah, 101. 101, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, this is the interesting, I mean, you see it with razor blades as well, right? Like I'm sure someone could have brought out the 10-blade razor 10 years ago, but you don't want to do that all at once. You know, we've still got to give ourselves room to to bring out the six-blade razor and the seven-blade razor and the eight-blade razor. Yeah. You know, but that's how they sort of they, – these battles run, don't they? And that's – that's. Yeah, well, they've, um, they've also made done something to make you consider them. And I still think that's a um, – there's a there's a, uh, there's a distinctiveness decision in that regard because previously mm-hmm. you go, right, you know, all things being equal, um, you know, I'll, I'll choose a Samsung, but um, well, okay, that's they, they've done something different there to to to, to grab your attention. So there's, yeah, you know, it's different. Yeah. It's almost like a bit like um, the um, that or, or 
maybe a car brand having like a, a really expensive model or, or a um, yeah. story, the $80, $80 cup of coffee, those cafes that used to have that. Yeah, uh, right, the $500 hamburger. Yeah, that, and that, you know, really no one's going to, um, you know, many people are going to buy it, but it gets you into, you know, into someone's mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so look, in- interesting and, and, you know, I mean, I could, I could probably speak for a, you know, the, the, I thought of three or four more examples as we were talking talking then about this. So I think yep. you know, just just sort of focusing in on that can can be quite telling. I think so. That was that was you know, like, like we said, even though it's unlikely that a mortgage broker, you know, mortgage uh, lender is is likely to have a twenty eight month fixed rate when when all the others are you know in that market aren't going to have a similarly comparable uh, option. You know, I think there's some things to think about depending on what where you're placed in that competitive landscape well, and what well, you're trying to achieve that you well, can explore. Yeah, I, I won't. I know you've got a bit to get through, so mm. I'll, I'll shut up. But um, the like, even thinking in banks, like you know, ING uh, became known here in Australia as the, the no fee bank. So, yeah. And, and so it was just it was one small thing um, that that made them stand out. Um, in um, you know, and even the fact they don't have, you know, it's probably more to, you know, they don't have um, branches and things like that. Yeah. You can. So there's there's a decision, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's that's interesting. That, that- and that, that's a good one too, because you can potentially say that, like, okay, what do, what does the competitive uh, advantage of not having branches give them? It may mean that they're in a better position to have a lower fee or a no fee or. Or, or whatever, therefore, there's that's the category heuristic that they can exploit and and take to market and 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 win them, you know, market share. So yeah. it's, it's it's really really important. So that was that was test number two. Test number three, they moved on to authority bias. So this is you know looking for for um, endorsements from you know industry experts, uh, at, uh, you know, and so again, same thing, right? It's a side-by-side comparison, but now in that in that second choice brand, they added in, you know, endorsements from publications that were relevant to that category. So, um, you know, in the TV category, we're talking about that. Um, they introduced, you know, endorsements from TechRadar and a company called Witch. This, this study was done in the UK. I think Witch is quite a big... Um, uh, publication in in the UK, so that they introduced these endorsements from them, and, and again, same thing, tested. Okay, what's that rate? So in that example of of the TV category, thirty percent switched when it was just side by side, all things being equal, brand that increased to forty three percent switching when it was c- accompanied by sim- just that endorsement. So yeah, I mean these are not uh, insubstantial things, and that endorsement one might be one that is actually a little bit more likely that you could get a certain endorsement from certain publications that your competitors don't, and you know it still means you need to have a pretty good product, I imagine. But yeah, um, or, or even you know, it made me think of Aldi wine. Um, the I, I, I was they. The, they have a, you know, you, if you drink wine or not, you probably know of like gold medals and silver medals. It's funny mm. if you think about them like, you know, and, you know, where are they getting the medal from? Like, and that's, the, you know, it, what what show is it or what, what yeah. is it? Yeah, you don't know. You're not you researching know, but that. It's not. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that little gold gold medal goes. Yeah. And I, I, I noticed um I noticed that recently with uh, with, with Aldi wine, just a little trigger that, that went off when, um, and I think they probably have, you know, their, their own award system, which, which um, you know, they've, and they've co-opted a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a known wine name. I can't remember yeah. it, but I know of, 
I've seen it. And so straight away, it just gives you that extra, okay, like it's- and that, it's- Look, and that's what they said in this study too. So the, the next one is, is social proof, which is very yep. similar to authority bias. And they said that too. They said, sometimes we know this, like we've purposefully read a, a review or we've read that that comment, but sometimes we don't know, like we've just clicked on an ad because it had a five-star review in it. We weren't consciously clicking on that ad because it had the five-star review, but yeah. that that sort of triggered these biases in a, in a, in a really sort of you know, unconscious way, but but we still get that. And it's yeah, it's exactly the same. You see that award, you know, it's a shortcut in our decision-making. We assume that if, you know, and, and I've heard this talked about advertising too. We assume that if, if that wasn't legitimate, someone would have come along and, and you know, like the ACCC or something would have come along and said, take down that ad. Um, now that may or may not be true. I'm not sure, but but you know, we're not we're not actually going any deeper than that. We just make that assumption. Well, if if you know they put that on there, it must be a real award. Otherwise, someone would have made them take it off. You yeah, know, and, and we yeah, no, that. that's that's right. It's, it's also got me. We've been thinking about this a lot um, with um, at at at, at Demarca with it's it's social proof, but it's authority as well. Like um, you know, putting putting clients you've worked for logos on a website. Yeah. You know, the, the, the first, you know, the designers are like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. Like, it's, it's so crass. And um, that's, you know, I agree. Like, it's not, you put an argument to say it's not that confident to have this wall of logos. And it probably isn't. But the more we actually looked around and even saw our competitors and, and, and there's, it's kind of, there's, there's a, there's a heuristic at play there. It's like, you're, you're looking, you might not even be looking for it, but that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that list of bigger clients or, um, or you know, or mix of bigger sport, whatever it is, but it's like, wow, okay, that it's, it's straight yeah. away signals. Um, you can do it in a way that, 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 that works. Cause I've, 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 you know, we worked with a few tech startups and I've pushed back probably from a, initially from like my design, you know, I came from a design background and, and I think, you know, lots of ugly colored logos on a page is not nice design. Um, but when you look at, you know, the, you know, when you think about it from the point of view as well, we don't have any runs on the board. We have an amazing product. We're, 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 we're brand new. We better celebrate, you know, the, the wins. Cause you know, you know, we've, you yeah, know, that's we've, right. we've worked with these guys and these guys and these guys and, and, um, as much as it might look ugly, it, um, yeah. it's oh, and, and for service-based stuff. businesses, it's, it's everything. You know, particularly if you're B2B and you're, and you're a service-based business, yeah, you know, that, those, those are your product. And and that's the that's what we're looking for in social proof is is are people like us making this decision you know or are, you know are there people like me um, you know that 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 uh, that make that decision that might be seeing a logo of your competitor or someone in the same industry you know as much as it is of just seeing big reputable brands yeah you know and 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 yeah. you know we we again it's a shortcut like am I uh, you know, is it worth my time to speak to this company? Well, actually, yeah, they're working with this brand and this brand and this brand who I respect and who are in our industry. So therefore, I know that they are that they have the knowledge and expertise of of my market. They're going to be able to help me. Therefore, it's it's worthy of my expenditure of energy to yep. to speak to them and, and those kind of things. So that is a social proof, and that was the next one in the test four. So it was the same thing: authority bias and social proof are, are really related. What they found in that test was that social proof is marginally more effective than than the authority in in that sort of side by side, um, which is I think interesting in of itself as well because you know we've read this all the time that consumers trust the opinions of of their friends and family more 
than necessarily industry experts or um, certainly more than than information you put on your own website or your own product brochures and and these kind of things. I love that from, um, once again, like an, an evolutionary psychology point of view, which, you know, is, uh, I've been, you know, digging around a bit at the moment. But, mm. you know, the wisdom of the, the herd, yeah. um, it's, there's, a, there's a little bit of in that, like we, we you know, we, we're hardwired to, to stick together. You know, yep. um, while authorities might make us feel kind of better, there's, there's something to be said for um, um, an, auth- an authority is kind of um, less less trustworthy than the than the herd because you actually see even yeah. manipulate that as well. But and th- th- there's a, there's a lot going on there too. But it's an interesting one because I, I tend to think that I guess it, partly it's maybe the deeper level of trust of someone that you have a deeper relationship with. So this one may be an authority. They may be more of an expert, but I don't have a. Uh, I don't have as long a relationship, as deep a relationship with them. Therefore, I'm not sure. I'm not as a, as sure of their motivations. Have they been paid for this endorsement? Yeah. I'm not sure. Whereas I know that that you know my friend or or family member, you know, you you you're much more aware of their motivations, right? So you can trust it more. But I also wonder whether there's you know that that um, talking about that evolutionary side of things, whether there's also a little bit of you know these are this is your peer group. You know who, who, who? You know what are you signalling to your peer group about you by the decisions you make, and you know, and and that that yeah decision of the herd is I oh, will go with with them, you know, rather than than standing out uh, and making my you know decision that's that's different or in contrast. To, yeah, it's. I remember yeah. hearing a story once. It's like if you if you're on the, um, I think it went something like it's made up. I'm sure. Um, yeah, you're on the you're on the way to to buy a TV on the train and um, I've asked you, Sam, my friend, you know, what TV you have and you told me that that's a, you know, the Samsung and how great it is and whatever. Um, and then I, I'm the guy sitting next to me on the train I meet, total stranger, ends up being like a television engineer, you know, someone who's been designing TVs all their life and he tells me that, no, the high sense is actually a better quality TV. They just don't, you know, have the brand. You know, this guy's an expert. You're just my mate. Um, you know, I'm I'm probably going to end up trusting my mate. Um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 anecdotal, but we kind of there's a gut feeling to knowing that's true. That's you know, and and I think this is what's true. And the and the fact, I mean, I guess in this in the social proof example is that that gets transferred also onto people you don't know. But regular people, right? Regular yeah. reviews and comments are, are are still rated more highly than these authorities as well. So there's something even, you know, there's something even deeper into that. But we do just trust, you know, regular people like us yeah. more than you know people who are not like us. You know, these might be these intellectual elite <laughs> TV people. <laughs> on, on that, um, it's interesting that I've seen quite a few things pop up um, around. Uh, the fact that how easy it is now, like with you know Fiverr or um, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, to to enlist someone to 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 do something for you, and there are have been a number of cases where you know I, I saw an example of a, a woman who was obviously just saying, "You pay me fifty bucks, and I'll I'll record, or not even ten bucks, I'll I'll record a, a, a testimonial video for your product." Um, and they end up having a page of you know you know she was an, a, a doctor in one and a, you know a, oh, and wow. a, you know a financial expert in others and so this this kind of you know it's a whole, n- whole other conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've seen that too with Amazon. I, there was some stat like 
I think I can't remember the exact stat. I don't want to misquote it here, but it was something like thirty percent, I think. Uh, or you know, thirty percent of of Amazon reviews are fake. Um, it, which yeah. you um you you that's what I think kind of straight away when I when I when I read those. You mm. want to you you want to have a good mixture. I mean, that's why. Uh, um, we actually use a video testimonial company who are, who are awesome, but they'll go and record your client kind of talking. Yeah. Um, but that's you know what's what's not to say that <laughs> I haven't paid someone on Fiverr that that that'll you know yeah. anyway that's just another layer. And I think over time, we, I think I mean already you're right. We we have a pretty good sense for for the fake, you know, and I think that will that that skill will will be honed over time, right? We'll all just become better and better at that. And these that's what happened to some of these biases particularly ones that are exploited in poor ways. You like leaving fake reviews. But clearly, I mean, this study shows that just by having a five-star review, you know, compared to a company over here that has a four-star review, yep. you know, and even in that, we all know there's probably other heuristics at play there. Like we look at the number of reviews, you know, oh, this one's got a thousand five-star reviews. Therefore, that's more likely to be, you know, good than this one over here that has 12 five-star reviews or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's all these the, these kind of things, but clearly still very very effective, and um, yeah, and, and can make an impact in you know whether it's consciously or unconsciously. So that's that's an interesting one. Uh, next one you'll like, I think, uh, scarcity bias. This was test number five. Um, interestingly, in their simulations, it was the least effective bias. So again, I think it's important to remember, well, how was this simulated? Well, it was an online type experience where they've put the, you know, some sort of scarcity signals on there. Uh, I, I think that's very different than if you go into a store and there's only one left on the shelf or, you know, you know some of the more real ways of, of saying, hey, you know, there's, you know, we've got an event and there's only, you know, 50 tickets left, you know, and then that'll be it. You'll miss out on this opportunity. Um, you know, so I, I do tend to think this is probably the one that was prone to, to maybe, you know, this simulation wasn't great. Um, but, um, you know, st- what, they, what they did find here, which I thought was important, was they said that it can, st- it can be effective as a clinching factor during the final evaluation, but, um, but the exploring shoppers that are still sort of building out this You're not this worried set, about that, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, they could find it restrictive and provoke a negative reaction. Yeah. So I think this is one particularly for digital marketers who, you know, I mean, this one's just gone a little bit overboard, I think, on, you know, certain landing pages and product pages and these kind of things of adding these like countdown timers and this, you know, this offer expires in 10 minutes and, you know, and and this kind of stuff is, I I think, you know, be careful with that because, I mean, you know, it's, it's now got to that point of proliferation, at least in the digital um, side of marketing where, you know, you can buy the WordPress widget and whack it on your website and, and set it to, you know, start counting down and put the prices up and, and all this kind of thing. I think I'd be really careful about just blindly putting that on your website. I think that totally comes down to context, doesn't it? Like, like, and mm. so this this idea of we're either looking, you know, we're searching for idea options or we're trying to narrow them down. You know, it works for Catch of the Day who, are, you know, were one of the, in, in the yeah. they, they kind of, I'm sure they weren't the first to do it, but it's what I find synonymous with that, you know, not many left. It's the whole context you're in at that moment is looking for a bargain, you know. Yep. So it turns it up. Um, uh, whereas, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, you've got a purchase that's a bit like of a, a, a longer um, uh, a longer buying cycle or, you know, and, and you start putting that pressure on 
at that you know early point, it can you know can work. I think that's it, isn't it? And 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 thinking about that point and thinking about that journey, and and making sure that you don't activate you know thing, uh, you know any kind of marketing activity that that you know that, that around scarcity bias until the right stage, and that you've actually built up enough of a relationship and you've given them those exploratory features and benefits first. You know that was one of the big out, uh, takeaways from the study really was let people explore, give people uh, a basis. You know, so we often, you know, we talk a lot about emotional versus functional, right? Um, but, you know, I think that was one of the takeaways is, you, yes, lead with emotion and, and, and you know, do all those things from a brand point of view. They're really important. But, but at some point also allow people when they're doing that deeper investigation to see your specifications, list it completely. So they can do that comparison. They can do that. You know, and make sure you're leading with the with the benefits because at some point they're going to come to that whittling down and they're going to need answers to their their questions. Yep. You know about the you know the job that they're looking for for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice one, Sam. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's that's uh, an interesting one there for scarcity. Next one, um, t- uh, test number six was the power of free. So this was um, this was defined interestingly as is that you know that. Um, the value that we place on something that's free is often actually qu- considerably higher than just very cheap, right? So even a dollar compared to free, you know, for something big, we, we place a much greater value on the power of free. But again, I think this was one that was really subject to, uh, you know, the, the way that they were testing it wasn't great. So, you know, again, it was that side-by-side comparison, but on one of the cat- one of the products, you know, they'd add something like, um, you know, in the in the case of a, a car clean a car hire category, they offered buy one get one. Uh, sorry, um, three days for the price of two on the car hire, yeah. which of course is a pretty big offer, right? And and they did things like yeah, buy one get one free on shampoo, where the other brand didn't have that. You know, so I think well, obviously that's going to ha- have a pretty big impact, and, and uh, it, it probably depends on where the brand sit. I did notice myself recently. Um, uh, I am um, I'm partial to um, a, a, a box of Pringles every now and again. Knowing how bad they are for you, though, I try to avoid it. Um, and and I remember thinking recently, yeah, no, you know, I'm no more, no more chips. And I walked past the aisle, and they had basically buy two for one, right? So yeah, you know, two. And so I bought two. Um, purely because I look back later going, because it was just, it triggered that, oh, that's a great deal. Yeah. Like, you know, and whereas I was like committed, you know, and initially to not even consider the category. But as soon as it, this this idea of the deal, like I drove off and as I'm eating my chips, I was like, wow, that was powerful yeah. because. And, th- and that is, I mean, that's a brilliant example because that's the, the, the power of free that they're talking yeah. about. It's not free. You weren't going to buy one I wasn't going to buy any packs. You weren't going to buy, buy any. But, that, that's but exactly true. If, if that had been normal price, I would not have bought one yeah. pack. Um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't have even looked. looked yeah. you know, and if it was half it. price, you probably wouldn't have bought no, one pack either. that's true as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were getting that one for free. So, so that's exactly it. So they tested that and unsurprisingly, big, big gains, right? So the car hire scenario that I mentioned you know, it increased it from 42% switch to 70%. Well, half price often, I mean, talk, I mean maybe this is um, often talk about, you know, pricing and, and how low prices can damage your brand. Yeah. Um, whether there's a, you know, I don't, I'm, 
you know, offering double the value for the same price, um, mm. uh, you know, tr- triggers that, doesn't it? So can you? Well, I, I, I used to, sorry, to, no, no, go on. Uh, I, I used to do a lot of that testing with a, with a retail brand. So we, you know, worked with a retail brand that used to do every Friday. Every Friday we'd have a coupon offer. It's, you, you can tell it was going back a few years now. Um, so every Friday coupon offer. But, you know, and, and it had all the negative impacts that you mentioned in, in that it trained people to look for the, for the discounts and then they'd, they'd purchase on those discounts. But it did provide a very powerful trigger to, to get purchase. And then and what it allowed us to do as well is, is do a lot of testing between those things. And we did find, yeah, a buy one, get one free, or, we, we, you know, three for the price of two, you know, can actually have a massive impact on the number, the quantity that people are buying and be much better for the bottom line than simply offering that same level of discount where they'd only buy one book. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, you have given it away now. No, uh, <laughs> no we, there's, um, no, that's, um, yeah, that's true. Because there's a, just going to supermarkets as well, there's a, so there's a brand of um, you know Appletizer. The it's like an apple, yep. sparkling apple drink. Um, it's it's pretty that that Coles they have it next to. Um, you know, there's like the Devondale one, which is like half the price, and and um, um, and and then the the the, the Appletizer, which is the higher brand. I'll now yeah. only buy that when it's on special, um, yeah. and it's half price, and otherwise I'll buy the other one. So they purely just got me thinking like that. However, it's got me thinking if it was. You know, buy two for the price of one. I would certainly keep buying the yeah. the top brand, um, the more expensive brand, because I feel like I'm getting a deal. And at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's training you to not you know to not look at um, discounts. Yeah, Fascinating. That, that's interesting. So I mean, that 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 definitely came through here, right? So so yeah. you know that that power of that that free offer, and and that's a good one for marketers, right? If you are going down the discounting path, or you're in a category that's just you know, uh, there's lots of them. You, you sort of ha- you, whether you like it or not, you need to sort of offer some some kind of discount and, and to be what, competitive. Or, or like as initial offer, thinking B two B, you're running ads, um, trying to get you know people to set up a callback or you know get their email address so you can contact them. Like, you know, yep. what can you offer? That whole kind of you know one hour of consultation free. You no. know, it's it's um, but but but. You know, maybe you can offer that same thing in a yeah, different yeah. in a different way. Yeah, well, that's right. The, 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 the that's, free, the yeah. free course, the free, yeah. free information booklet thing. Yeah. You know, the ebook or, or guide or research paper or yeah. whatever it is. These do have a lot of value and that, and they work. And um, you know, yeah. And then and then, or if you're able to break down, you know, you're talking about service. You know, we like to bring it back to service industries and B two B for. For those not all all be you know Pringles and yeah. and, uh, and and apple apple, apple juice, juice. Uh, but, uh, but um yeah I mean you know the same thing there if you can take a small part of your overall service and make it free as a as a lead in or, or something like this well there's, but there, you know there's the other side of that I was always told like never especially in creative industries don't discount what you do you know like you know mm. you set that bar low initially you know you give them you cut your price down. Um, then they're that's all they're going to yeah. kind of accept and 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 you're anchoring. Speaking of yeah. um, heuristics, you're, you're anchoring low to begin with. But it, I, I don't think it should be discounted completely. Like it obviously, if it, it does work in in you know all these other areas of life, that's right. Um, you know how how can you do it as a um in a you know in a in a in a way and giving you know buying something at full price and then getting something for free can be a really powerful motivator and that's certainly what, what everyone likes to deal. You. 
So that was a good one. The last one was the power of now. Um, again, it was a similar thing. I mean, they, these were all these were all tests, and what they showed is in the incrementality of, of all these. All every single one of the six biases um, had you know a pretty significant uh, incremental impact on the two brands to, by introducing them. But the the last two tests I think were, were most interesting, and then I'll get to a few actions and we'll wrap things up. So. Um, test number eight was where they stacked them all together. So, you know, and, and this again was, was uh, you know, I made this point in the last uh, episode that we spoke about this, uh, and this is where it gets really unrealistic because now what you've got is you've got brand A, the preferred brand that's just completely neutral <laughs> as it was, and then you've got the second choice brand that now has, you know, a significant advantage in social proof, authority bias. They've got buy one, get one free offers. <laughs> they've got... All of these things stacked, so it's it's completely unrealistic, I think, in in natural environment. But the impact to which that had is is worth noting. So again, you know, significantly greater switch to the point where the smallest percentage switch was in the mobile network provider category. Still had seventy two percent of people switching from brand A to brand B. Yeah, wow. And and the most effective was car insurance, which had ninety four percent of people switched from brand A to brand B. Yeah, you, and there was you've got yeah. to take it with a grain of salt, don't you? Though, because you never. I, I, I was just thinking as you, as we're getting to these, like, at, I think if you align them all together and then look at the differences in them, you start to get a bit of picture. Because yeah, you know that's pretty. And this is why I think. You know, what what are we learning? Well, not necessarily that there's a tech technique or tactic that we can employ that's going to get 94% of people to switch from the leading brand to your brand. I mean, that's obviously unrealistic. But what we do see is that, hey, these behavioral biases, if you tap into them, they'll they'll be effective in some way in helping you to to win, you know, customers. If you combine them, they'll be more effective. This is this is meaningful actionable data. The other thing that we see from this test is where is it most effective and where is it least effective? So I think, you know, what what came through um, and, you know, I, I encourage everybody to download the report, have a look at some of the graphs that, that are included w- with this, you know, is, is there's a very clear signal here that the where it's most effective, um, it tends to be purchasing decisions that are more highly complex, technical by, by nature, these kind of things, or tend to be commoditized. Shampoo, car insurance, you know, car insurance is car insurance, right? Um, more or less, uh, and, you know, and that was the one 94% of of, uh, of people switched when you stack them all in, in car insurance. Nobody cared about the brand at the, the end of the day, you know, and that, that was quite interesting. And that's, this is also true when you look at the final test, which was, uh, I think, also very interesting. So now what they did is they took that same stacked test, but they introduced a fictional brand. So by definition, a brand that no one had ever heard of. Yep. And uh, they, they went to lengths to make sure that that brand had a realistic logo that was, you know, similar to, to what you'd expect within the category, you know, and, and had all those things. And it wasn't as effective as the second choice brand in switching people across, but it was still very effective. So... Um, let's see if I can find some like for like. Yeah, so car insurance, right, which was the most effective in switching um, from, from between known brands. 94% of people switched to their second choice brand. When it was the same test but with this fictional brand, it was 87% switched. Um, 
probably one from the, the middle somewhere. So TVs, uh, 85% switched between known brands. Uh, 85% switched between known brands. That was 63% from an unknown brand. So again, this shows that, hey, it's not all, you know, even in this completely unrealistic scenario, you know, the, the brand, uh, you know, the, the power of a known brand and a brand that, that you've, you know, have some kind of um, exposure to and, and, you know, feelings about uh, is, is going to hold you know, 30% of people, even in this completely, you know, like the logical choice has to be in this simulation to choose the unknown brand, right? Like yeah. they just tick all the boxes in a way that you'd never see in the wild. Yet still 30%, 37% of people choose, you know, to stick with that known preferred brand. So um, interesting things. But then, the, the, you know, that the, the still is held true with regard to the types of brand that switched. So, interesting. Yeah. So, look, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, so, we've, we've covered a lot of those there, but just to really quickly summarise, I think my, the, the learnings when I thought about this was, one, you know, that validation that these behavioural biases yeah, can have a significant impact. So, I mean, there's plenty of information out there. You know, we can have confidence to just make sure that we're actually using these, you know, in and, and making sure that we're addressing them in all our marketing collateral. Because if we're not, it's giving our our, our um, you know competitors an op- opportunity to, to jump in. Yeah. Um, the incremental incrementality of the biases, more is more, right? So use them all. Um, but the higher the just uh, like that you use the, the scarcity one. Um, I think I've I, I saw the example on on. Um, it was actually one of the behavior, behavioral science conferences earlier. They just had, um, you know, it was it was all over Zoom, but it said limited tickets. Like that yeah. spaces are limited. That's it. But I remember it tr- really triggering me, um, even though I knew, you know, as I started to rationalize it, you know, what, how yeah. am I going to do that? And you don't really know that. So it wasn't like only one left or only two left. It was just a very subtle um, application of it. So I, I think, you know, the, the point of that is and if you use them, use them in, you can be subtle with them as well. But yeah, that's right. That's it. Right. Just, just look that. And that's an interesting one because I guess, you know, if I, if I justify that to some degree and why that might have worked is, is it's actually helped because it's helped you to make that decision because it might be true. And, and the other cues without that there, the other cues are, well, it's all via Zoom, so it must be 100% unlimited. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so you you would probably safely assume it's unlimited, but by putting that there, uh, you know, brings in a little bit of doubt that oh, maybe it is limited. I better and this is something I want to do. No, I better make that decision. That's, that's right. Yeah. So, it, it's exactly um, right. yeah, it's, it's interesting there. So, I mentioned obviously complexity and commoditization. The more you know, if you are a commodity brand or a commodity product, um, you know, in one of those categories, then these things are going to be more powerful. So, it's all more important if you're a complex brand, do that as well. Um, as I said, preconceived brand perceptions are the most powerful of all, right? Even even despite all these tests, yeah, cool, we won forty seven percent of people away from that brand, but fifty you know fifty three percent of people still stuck with the brand or, or whatever that number was in in that in that thing. So I think you know clearly it, you know it's it's easy to say, oh wow, look at the power of all these behavioural biases, but but none of them really were by themselves were more powerful than just the brand equity, uh, you know. So brand is powerful, what a surprise. Yeah. Uh, we, we come to that conclusion in, in a multitude of ways. 
Uh, obviously, brand preference is fragile, though, you know, so we've, we've spoken about this many times. Yep. We know this well. Uh, and uh, that functional improvements can be effective. I, I thought that was one for me anyway. You know, I, I'm, I tend to be leaning more and more towards, oh, it's, it's got to be emotional. It's got to be emotional. Don't lead with functional benefit. Don't talk about this. But I think this for me really helped me to put where the place is, you know, and, and if you think about how things have changed, this is probably the impact of, you know, our sort of digital way of life changing the way you know we used to go uh, we uh, we work with a with a um, custom home builder here in melbourne and you know it's something that we've sort of explored with them is okay well, once upon a time if you were building a new house you your first port of call would be to go and visit the the, the um, room the, yeah right the display, display home, home and and you'd speak to the person there and you'd get all the the, the brochures and you'd talk to them and you do and then you'd maybe go to five or six other display homes and you'd do the same thing there and then you'd compare but of course now that flips before we get to the display home we've done all this research and we've crossed off some of those off off you know so um you know just being able to actually have those functional elements once we get to that like yes first it's emotional and we want to know who is the prestigious home builder or who is the that, but once we pass that emotional stage of feeling a connection to a brand, you know, and we're in that exploration cycle, then it's functional. We need to like have those functional benefits in a, in a place that people can find them so that they can do that comparison and that they can choose your brand, you know, particularly if you have fa- favorable functional benefits. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that, that were probably the learnings. And I guess I've discovered, touched on some of the, the actions that there are a couple of other actions I wanted to mention here, I guess, as a, as a role, and then we will wrap things up. Yes. <laughs> because we've gone way over time. So uh, one is I think audit, um, you know, audit the purchase path beyond just your website and competitors, but actually look at where else would people go? Yeah. What are the review sites and, and these kind of things? Um, I also like, you know, I was, I was thinking, think about owned versus earned assets uh, or even paid assets, you know. So what can we influence on owned assets? How can we bring in these cues to the assets that we own? Yeah. And then of the earned assets, how would we earn them? How can we earn a place, you know, on other, you know, review sites and all these kind of things? So that could be re- really interesting. Certainly employ behavioural science. Um, from an SEO point of view, this was probably the, one of the points I wanted to make is, you know, obviously I come from, from the SEO world. Uh, you know, we often think about SEO as being optimizing your websites for performance in search, but this might actually take you to think about actually optimizing your brand from a search right. It's not just your website. Where else are your, is your brand oh, yeah. featured in that search engine results page, um, you know, and broadening that optimization, yeah, that SEO away from your website to a, to a brand, which I thought might be, be um, interesting um, and and the I guess the final point is is do everything you can to stop your target customer from entering the messy middle, right? If if you can make it really seamless and re- reduce those barriers for people to be able to make a purchasing decision, then you may stop them from getting into this big, um, you know, evaluation and exploration loop. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, look, we've gone really deep into that again. Lots and lots of things to consider, but. Uh, and we've spent now two, you know, quite longer than normal podcasts uh, talking about this thing. So I think there's, a, you know, a lot of, uh, and there's probably a lot of things we didn't mention there too. So, you know, a lot that we can take out of this research. And 
Well, I think um, the, there's a I think there'll be a link to it um, in the in the show notes. So it's probably a good um, um, uh, companion to um, to uh, you know to the to the document. So nice one, yeah. Lots to, lots to unpack. There you go. All right. So look, thanks for hanging with me, you yourself, Dean, and and, and you, our listener. Um, it's it's been a long one. Hopefully, if you've stuck it out this far, it's uh, you know it's been interesting and insightful and. Certainly, um, you know, this is one paper that I've just keep coming back to and I just keep thinking uh, about how it impacts a, a lot of different, different um, you know, projects that I'm working on and, and decision-making processes and, and these kind of things. So do read it, check it out, and um, no doubt it'll come up again in, in future podcasts. Great. Thanks, mate. Well, um, if, uh, yeah, leave a review, send us a question. Um, you know, if it's, uh, let us, let us know you're out there. We, we love to hear from you and, um, I'll, um, I'll be seeing you again soon, Sam. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Brilliant. Thanks, Dean. See, See ya. you next time.